Do y'all remember the, uh, the computer brand Gateway? It had a cow for a logo because when I think of a cow, I think of fast, high-performance machine, <laughs> which may be why Gateway no longer exists. Acer actually bought them in 2007, but Gateway was, uh, was part of my college career because when we went to master's, uh, as part of our tuition, we received a, a Gateway computer. And this was probably a, a six-inch thick laptop that had maybe 50 gigs in it of, of hard drive space. And I think its memory was maybe two to four megabytes. So again, it, it, the, the cow made sense. It, it fit with the, the performance of these laptops. Uh, but they, they usually didn't last our four years at Masters. In fact, if you ever went down to the IT department, a lot of times there would be a stack of 15 or 20 of these laptops waiting to be repaired because they would often break down. Well, at one point in time, my wife's laptop decided that it was done having anything that would resemble a battery. Uh, it would not operate at all if you didn't have it connected to a wall outlet. And not just did you need to connect it to the wall outlet, but unless it was plugged in and you had the books stacked under the cord just right and it was angled in just the right way, this thing was not going to draw any power whatsoever and operate for anything more than just a, a glorified paperweight. And there were times that if, if you sneezed, the power would turn off on the computer. It was just not a good situation. For this to, to function, for this to have any worth, any value as what it was intended and designed to be, it had to be plugged into the wall. It had to be connected to the power that was coming through that cord. Well, as you and I think about our relationship with Christ, you and I need to be connected to the power source for our relationship with Christ just as much as that computer needed to be plugged into the wall. See, if we're disconnected from the power source of our relationship with God, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we are disconnected from that, then we'll be just as ineffective as that computer was when it wasn't plugged in. No matter how godly we may appear on the outside, we're not going to be doing anything that's worthwhile, anything that lasts, anything that's significant if we aren't first and foremost connected to and anchored to Jesus Christ what our passage this morning is going to be talking about. We're going to be in John chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, open them there or make your way over on your devices to John chapter 15, and we'll be in verses 1 through 11. Listen as I read the text. It says here, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If you are here this morning and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible makes it clear that you are in Christ. 
In fact, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Paul talks about the fact that we have been baptized into Christ Jesus, that we have been placed into Christ Jesus. And so if you are here and you are a Christian, you are a believer, you are a follower of Jesus, it's not though as though you have just been kind of duct taped as an appendage onto the, the family of God or into the body of Christ. No, you have become one with your Savior. You have been placed into Christ. And Jesus uses the analogy to describe the same concept in this passage in John chapter 15 of the vine and the branches. He says at the beginning there in John 15, 1, I am the true vine. And then later on in verse 5, he's going to say, and you are the branches. If you think of a vine, if you think of a tree, if you think of the, uh, a plant, you have the, the main source of life, which is the, the vine, the stem, the root, the trunk. And then you have the branches that, that flow out of that. And the life of the branches are connected back to the vine, connected back to the trunk, connected back to the, the roots. And so Jesus is saying to us, he is the vine and we as his followers are the branches. Now, Jesus was originally saying this to his audience there in John chapter 15, who were a, a group of Israelites. They would have been thinking back to the Old Testament because this was familiar language for them. Jesus was hearkening back to an example that, that the father used with the Old Testament Israelites over and over, calling them the vine. In Isaiah chapter 5, in Jeremiah chapter 2, Jeremiah 5, Jeremiah chapter 6, Hosea chapter 10, Ezekiel chapter 19, and Psalm chapter 80. Those are, are just a few of the times that God compares Israel to a vine. But the problem is in the Old Testament, God was looking at Israel to be a fruitful vine, to be a life-giving vine, to be a, a source of, of godliness and holiness and life in his relationship with them. And yet time and time again, God went back to the vine and found that the vine was barren. And Israel suffered under the judgment of God as a result of that. And so now you have Jesus come on the scene. And in the context where the Israelites would have been thinking back to this idea of, okay, we've always been the vine. Now Jesus is here and Jesus is saying, look, I am the true vine. And that's why he uses that word true before vine there. He is the real deal. He is the authentic vine. He is the, the true source of life for his followers. But I want us to think about for a second what's not said here by Jesus. Jesus doesn't gather all of his followers together and say, you know what? The, the, the church is the true vine. Is the church important for followers of Jesus Christ? Absolutely it is but not apart from a relationship with Jesus. He also doesn't gather them together and say, you know what, it's, it's the word, it's the Bible. The Bible is the true vine. Is the word of God important for us as believers? Absolutely, 100%, without a doubt. Yes, the Bible is important for us as believers, but not in isolation from a relationship with Jesus Christ. He also doesn't say, you know what, doctrine and theology is the vine. And this is kind of where I wish Jesus had camped out. Because so often it's, it's way too easy for me to export my relationship to Jesus to the books on my shelf. It's easy for me to trust in my doctrine and trust in my theology and think that I've got a vibrant relationship with God because I know a lot about God. But Jesus doesn't say that it's doctrine and theology that is the true vine. He doesn't say that it's your family that's the true vine. He doesn't say that it's morality that's the true vine. Being a good person. He doesn't say that it's a cause or a political party that's the true vine. Now, what does Jesus say here? He says, I am 
the true vine. And that's something that we have to get right, that we have to make sure is intact and in place in our relationship with God, that it is all empowered by and fueled by and founded upon, first and foremost, a relationship with Jesus. That relationship has to be there. That's why the Apostle Paul went to the the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and he says to them, he says, look, when I came to you, I determined to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, Paul didn't go to the Corinthians and say, you know what? When I came to you, I, I, I determined to know nothing among you except that you need to read the Torah more. I determined to know nothing among you except that you need to study more. I determined to know nothing among you except that you need to, uh, you need to, to show up to church more often. Are those things good? Would they have been beneficial to the believers there in, in Corinth? Yeah, absolutely. So why does he say, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified? Because without that, none of the rest of it matters. None of the rest of it matters at all if we don't have Jesus Jesus is the vine. All of those other things that I listed are good. Time in the word is good and necessary. Time at church is good and necessary. Time with fellow believers is good and necessary. Doctrine and theology, good and necessary. But all of it is is just eye candy. It's, It's worthless if it's not flowing from a relationship with Jesus. That's where our vitality comes from, Christians. It comes from that, not from the peripherals. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. Point number one this morning is this. Draw spiritual vitality from relationship with Jesus. Draw spiritual vitality, vibrancy, life from a relationship with Jesus. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, oh man, we're talking about a relationship. That seems too squishy and fuzzy for me. I'm going to check out on this. But let me explain what I mean by that for a second. When I met my wife in college, she claims it was the second time we met. For me, it was the first time we met. But it was a back-to-school event, and I saw her, and I was like, wow, she is beautiful, and I want to get to know her more. I want a relationship with her. And so what I did is I set about pursuing a relationship with her. I set about trying to get to know her. I called her. I asked her. I did the Christian dating scene. We went on a group date, then a double date, and then we were allowed to go on a single date. But I pursued that relationship. I spent time with her. I wanted to get to know her. I talked with her. I found out what she enjoys, what she likes to do. It was not a burden for me to want to be with her because I wanted a relationship with her. Here's what I didn't do. I didn't think to myself, wow, she's beautiful. I I want a relationship with her, so I'm just going to study her because that's called stalking and it's not well-received, right? I didn't look at her and say, wow, I want a relationship with her, so I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to say, God, I don't have a relationship that's very good with Amanda right now. So I just pray that I I would have a stronger relationship with Amanda. Amen. And go to sleep and then wake up the next morning expecting that somehow magically I'm going to have a stronger relationship with this girl. And you think to yourself, well, of course you're not going to have a stronger relationship with this girl. But isn't that what we do with Christ? How many times have we fallen asleep at night saying, God, my relationship with Jesus isn't where I want it to be. So I just pray that you would give me a stronger relationship with Jesus. And we expect him to do something with our relationship with Jesus that we would never expect to happen with our relationship with somebody else that's sitting next to us. Right? A a relationship is something that we cultivate. A relationship is something that we work at. A relationship is something that we enjoy and something that we love because we love the person. And so for us Christians, our relationship with Jesus is the same thing. It's about loving Jesus. 
It's about saying, man, I want more of Jesus because I love Jesus. I want to be in the word because I love the God of the word and I love Jesus who the word teaches me about. I want to pray because I want to communicate. I want to talk with Jesus, the the Savior who has died for me, who loves me because I love him. I want this dynamic living relationship with him. But see, we we want this relationship to be definable by a, a checklist. We want this relationship to be definable by uh, the next Christian living book that's coming out that I can recommend to you guys and say, hey, if you want to increase your relationship with Jesus, go read this book. But that's not how it works. Think of the areas of your life that you find essential for a vibrant Christian walk. Those areas of your life that you think about to yourself and you're like, okay, these are essential aspects of my relationship with God. These are things that have to be intact. Maybe it's, it's Bible reading for you, and I'd hope it is for, for us, that you're saying, man, I'm, I'm doing the daily Bible reading, I'm doing the then always now method, I'm studying, I'm in the Bible daily, I, it's, it's there. Or maybe for you, it's, it's worship music. You love to sing songs of praise to the Lord. You're the person that I pull up next to in my car, and I look over, and you're having a Holy Ghost moment in your car next to me. You're just belting it out at the top of your lungs. Or maybe it's prayer. You've just got a a fantastic, uh, continued and consistent prayer life. Think about those elements of your relationship with God. And now I want to ask you, how do those elements further your relationship with Jesus? Because if they don't, they're meaningless. If they don't lead to a deeper relationship with Jesus... If all we're doing is checking a box, if all we're doing is saying, God, are you pleased with me now because I sang this song, I prayed this many times, I read the Bible every day for a year, and now I'm on my 15th time reading through the Bible. If we're doing all of those things, and yet our relationship with Jesus is not being cultivated, then all of those things are meaningless and pointless. We have to work on the relationship side of things. And so often we're tempted to look to other areas for spiritual vitality and spiritual vibrancy instead of looking for the the relational aspect of our element, of that element of our our, our faith, because it's it's easier to look to those other things. And so maybe what we'll do is we'll focus on obedience. We'll say, you know what? My relationship with God is good because I'm obeying God. Is it good to obey God? Can we just get this out of the way? Yes. Please don't text Pastor Mike and say, Pastor PJ said it's not good to obey God. It's, It's good to obey God right? But if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you're trusting in, for your sense of spiritual vitality, for your sense of of feeling like you are walking well with the Lord, if you're trusting in obedience, here's what it's like. It's like you trying to lose weight by starving yourself. It's going to work for a little while. You're going to see some results. On the outside, your body's going to look better maybe, but inside you'll be decaying. Why? Because you're going to be lacking that life source that you need to sustain that, right? We can't all just not eat and lose weight and be fine. We need food to supply the nutrients. You need a relationship with Jesus to supply the nutrients that's going to overflow into the obedience that God desires from us. Or sometimes we'll trust in emotions for our spiritual vitality. You know, we we chase these spiritual highs left and right. I, I feel great about my relationship with Jesus. I'm not feeling good about my relationship with Jesus. 
oh, I feel so good because I listened to this and it got me so fired up and I'm so excited. Or I listened to this worship song and I love this music and I love that music and I went to this camp and then I went to this retreat and I went to, and we're chasing these spiritual highs and saying that that's where our vitality with our relationship with God comes from. But if that's not connected to a relationship with Jesus, that's like trying to live off of candy. Again, for a little while, it's gonna be great, right? All of us wouldn't mind living off of candy if that were possible. But then we would realize that it's not possible, is it? Because that can't sustain us. That can't last. And that's why you end up going from one desire for a spiritual high to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Instead of an abiding vibrancy through a relationship with Jesus. Some of us are tempted to trust, like I was talking about earlier, our, our doctrine and theology. And say, well, I've got a good relationship with God. My my relationship with God is good because I know a lot about God. Because I've read a lot of books. But that's like you or me going to medical school and getting our full degree and everything else and then choosing to go and flip burgers for the rest of our lives at McDonald's. All of that education, all of that knowledge isn't being put to the end to which it was intended, which is a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. Right, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he's talking to Timothy and he's saying this towards the end of his life. He's saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm not worried. And he says this, because I know whom I have believed. And I love that. And at the same time, I, I wish he had said what, don't you? Because that's easier. It's easy to know what I've believed and have my confidence to be in what I believed. Because I can know what I believed and have all my confidence be in what I believed and have zero relationship with Jesus. But the Apostle Paul says, you know what? I'm not ashamed as I stare at the impending end of my life because I know Jesus. Because I know whom I have believed. Y'all, if you desire a vibrant, dynamic, growing walk with God, it must be fueled by relationship with Jesus. Jesus is alive, yes? Yes. Yes, we say he is risen. He is risen indeed at Easter, right? But we can say that this morning, right? He is risen. A couple of you. He is risen indeed. Awesome. He's alive, yes? Okay. But so often we treat Jesus like he's a better version of Whitfield or Spurgeon or Edwards or Calvin. We like to read about him and we like to study him and we like to do the things that he did, but we... Don't have a relationship with him. See, I can read all about John Calvin. I can read every book there is to read about him. I can study him. I can go visit the places that he walked and he lived and he taught. I can study his life and pattern my life after his life. But do I have a relationship with John Calvin? No. Let me ask you, what's the difference between Calvin Edwards and Whitfield and Jesus? Jesus is alive. Jesus is living. And yes, you can argue that my illustration falls short because those guys are alive with Christ now too. I'm not arguing against that, but you get my point, right? Jesus is living and sometimes we relegate him to a storybook character. Sometimes we relegate him to this guy that we read about in the Bible like we read biographies of great Christian spiritual heroes and we're impressed with Jesus and we know a lot about Jesus and we think to ourselves, well, I should live like Jesus, but we leave out this whole relationship with Jesus because we forget that Jesus is a living savior who wants a relationship with us, 
who wants to engage with us daily. Jesus is the vine. If you want a vibrant relationship with Jesus, you must be connected to that vine. Have a relationship with him through that vine. He goes on and he says this. He says, my father is the vine dresser. So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it would bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, there was a time in my life that I would have preached this passage by focusing on this text telling you and I that we need to pull ourselves up by our spiritual bootstraps and go bear more fruit. There was a time in my life I would have preached this passage and said, so what Jesus is telling you is that if you want to be in the vine, you need to go and obey God more. If you want to be in the vine, you need to make sure that you're bearing fruit. If you want to be in the vine, you need to to make sure that you're doing more, that you're trusting more, that you're reading more, that you're believing more, that you're doing all these things out here. There was a time in my life I would have preached this passage and I would have deputized all of you to be fruit police in one another's lives. But I would have completely missed the point of what Jesus is driving at here. Yes, he warns us that a lack of fruit could lead to the Father taking us away. And yes, he encourages us and admonishes us that we must be bearing fruit if we are abiding in the vine, but we need to understand how that fruit should be born. How this godliness, because that's what we're talking about here with fruit. If, if that language is unfamiliar to you, what we're talking about here is, is manifesting godliness in our lives. And Jesus is saying, look, if, if you want more godliness in your life, here's what it means. Let's look a little bit closer. Let's look back in that text again. He says this. He says, pick up in verse four. He says, abide in me and I in you. What's he talking about there? He's talking about our relationship, right? What we talked about in point one abiding in Jesus. He's talking about that relationship with Jesus. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Okay, so there goes the whole pull yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps and just go work harder argument. Because did you catch what Jesus said there? That the branch can't what? Bear fruit by itself. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it what? Abides in the vine. There's that relationship again. Neither can you unless what? You abide in me. Do you see? There's the relationship again. Whoever abides in me and I in him, there's the relationship again. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So again, the, the answer, if, if we're saying, man, I want to be more godly, is not to go out and pull yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps and go just work harder at it. The answer is to lean into your relationship with Jesus. That's what this passage is about. That's where the fruit is going to come from is as we abide in Christ. Jesus is alive. Jesus wants a relationship with you. And that relationship with Jesus, you're like, okay, but what does that mean to have a relationship with Jesus? Well, ask yourself, what does it mean to have a relationship with the people in your life that you love? 
What are the things that you do with them? How do you further that relationship with them? And then ask yourself, okay, how does that translate to a relationship with Jesus? Because Jesus is not a figment of your imagination. Jesus is not a spiritual hero that's recorded in the pages of the scripture, but is gone. Jesus is alive and interceding for you, seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is a living Savior, and he wants a relationship with you, and you can have a relationship with him. And that's where fruit comes from. That's where life transformation comes from. Point number two this morning is this. Let a genuine love for Jesus transform your life. Let a genuine love for Jesus transform your life. Again, Jesus says, whoever abides in me the person that I have this relationship, this abiding, this remaining, this staying relationship with. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, when the relationship with Jesus is intact, the fruit is gonna come naturally. When the branch is connected to the vine, the fruit naturally occurs, doesn't it? Think about a flower. How hard does a flower have to think about blooming? If it's connected to a healthy stem, it's going to naturally bloom, isn't it? How hard does, a, does an avocado, just to, to build on Pastor Mike's illustration from last week, right? He's talking about the avocado tree. Does an avocado blossom have to just... Avocado! Oh man, apple. Next time I'll try harder. No, it doesn't. Why? Because that's what it's designed to do. It's connected to a healthy vine and it's going to flower because that's what it does. Because the vine is producing the life. The vine is going to create the transformation. The vine is going to take care of that process. You are going to bear fruit as you abide in Christ. It's going to be natural for you. A living tree or bush flower never has this introspective moment where it wonders to itself, you know, am I bearing enough fruit right now? Maybe I need to work harder to bear more fruit. Why? Because it it simply doesn't. Because it's connected to the vine. It has that relationship there. Think about the flip side, though. Before we get into the fruit of the Spirit, which Pastor Mike has been preaching through in just a, such a, a great series for us, you've, you've got before that, if I can borrow the, the word, you've got the fruit of the flesh before that. You've got things like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy, and fits of anger. Let me ask, how hard does the flesh have to work to produce those things in our lives? Not very hard, does it? Not very hard. Think about the last time you were cut off on the road. How difficult was it for you to get angry at the person that cut you off? Did you have to think about that and be like, oh man, time to work up some anger. And afterwards, did you look back at that and go, man, you know what? I could have been angrier. I I should be angrier next time. No, that comes naturally, doesn't it? Were those other things, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality? Have we looked at the entertainment industry recently? How hard is it for the world to manifest those things? It comes what? Naturally, doesn't it? Well, here's the thing, y'all. When we are abiding in Jesus, when that relationship with Jesus is intact, the good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, right, is going to come just as naturally to us as the fruit of the flesh comes to those that are separated from Christ. Because again, it's not about us and our willpower and our bootstraps and us trying to just do more. It's about a a relationship with Jesus that overflows into our lives and transforms everything about us. 
right? In, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the apostle Paul says, you are a new creation in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new is here. Well, part of the new is this relationship that's going to transform your life so that you will be now a person who is a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God's design for our lives, Christians, is not for us to, to clench our fists and grit our teeth and just try to be godly. God's design for our lives is for us to lean into a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus is therefore going to transform our lives because we are going to love him more. And as we love him more, we're going to love the things that he loves and hate the things that he hates. And we are going to want to be like him. That's the fastest way to change your life. I was recently watching something where somebody was talking about our battle with sin and they said this, they said, look, the reason we sin is because we love sin more than we love Jesus. And they said, you know, that's, that's hard to hear, but they said, here's the good news in this. If you want to overcome sin, here's the answer. It's not a five-step program or a book or anything else. You know what the answer is? If you want to overcome sin in your life, it's this, love Jesus more. Love the things that he loves Hate the things that he hates. You say, well, Pastor PJ, that sounds great, but how do I do that? You spend time with Jesus. And that feels so squishy to us because we love, we love doctrine and theology. And doctrine and theology is so good. Absolutely, it's so good. But y'all, here's the deal. There should be a, a, a marination in your relationship with Jesus that you would spend time with him, that you would read the Bible not to check a box in a DBR, but that you would read the Bible going, okay, this is the words of my Savior. This is the words of the one who wants a relationship with me. This is the words of the one that I love. What is he saying to me? That you would pray and that you would spend time with God and you would communicate with God and understand that, no, you may not hear an audible voice back from him, but nonetheless, this is a relationship the way that you have a relationship with your spouse or your family members or your loved ones. That you are talking with him, you are communing with him. You guys, we've got to love Jesus if we want to see transformation in our life. Well, maybe you're sitting out there this morning and you're thinking to yourself, okay, that's, that's fine. I, I, I don't see a lot of fruit in my life right now. I wish I saw more fruit in my life right now. And I don't know what's going on. Back in Dallas, my dad has a, uh, an apartment and outside of his apartment window is this big pecan tree. And in Texas, there's these things called thunderstorms. It's where the clouds get really dark and they drop liquid from them. And there's flashes of light called lightning. And there's loud noises. Sounds like God's bowling, but it's just thunder. And there was a big storm that rolled through. And one of the branches on this pecan tree snapped. But it didn't snap and fall all the way off the tree. It just, it just broke away and then ended up falling and, and laying across the, the other branches on the tree. And if you came across that branch in the dead of winter, you might think to yourself, oh, well, that's just another branch on the tree because there'd be no leaves on the tree, no fruit on the tree. But right now, back home, it's, it's, it's the season where there are pecans on the, the branches. And this one branch, as it lays across these other healthy living branches that are still connected to the tree, that one branch, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb because as the other branches all have the pecans on them, this one branch just lays barren. And the problem with that branch is not 
at the fruit. The problem with that branch is at the root. Because even if you went and you gathered the pecans that had fallen off the other branches and went up and you duct taped them to that dead branch, it wouldn't fool anyone, would it? It's still a dead branch. And when we as, as Christians think to ourselves, well, I don't see enough fruit, so I want to focus on the fruit. It's like super gluing rotten dead fruit to a dead branch and trying to pass it off as alive. It's not going to pass muster. And it's also not the answer. If you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, I wish I saw more fruit in my life. The problem is that there's a, a disconnect somewhere. And that disconnect is not at the, the fruit. The disconnect is at the, the root. Maybe that disconnect is that there's a, a sin in your life that has been harbored. A sin in your life that you've been holding on to. A sin in your life that you need to bring into the light, that you need to confess. A sin in your life that you need to repent of. Something in your life that has more affection more of your affections than Jesus does. And that's causing a, a disconnect, an interruption in the supply of the nutrients from the vine to the branch. Or maybe that disconnect is you've been focused too much on the peripherals for your spiritual vitality. You have been focused too much on the fruit for your spiritual vitality. You've been thinking that the answer to you feeling closer to God is just by checking the boxes and going through the motions, doing your DBR, showing up at church, praying before meals, not saying these words, not getting angry, and, and, and you're focused on the externals, and you're thinking that that's where life is found, and, and you're finding that it's not really doing a whole lot to further your relationship with God, and the reason is because there's a disconnect at the, the root, because you're not focused on your relationship with Jesus. You're not focused on the root, you're focused on the, the fruit. Or maybe the disconnect is you've been trying to, to be more godly just through sheer willpower. You're the one that's been pulling yourselves up by your, your spiritual bootstraps. And what you found is you found that you feel exhausted and you feel discouraged and you feel ashamed and you feel guilty because you just can't be holy enough, godly enough. Again, the answer there is there's a disconnect at the root. That relationship with Jesus, whatever it is, if, if there's that disconnect, the answer for you is found by pursuing, again, that relationship with Jesus. Loving Jesus, loving the things he loves, hating the things he hates, spending time in the word, not to check a box, but just to, to marinate, to rest in, to, to, to dwell in the pages of God's word and to be informed about who he is and to, to communicate with him, to pray to him, to love him. Let me try to illustrate it this way. I love my wife, right? And so I love to do the things that she enjoys for me to do to do the dishes, to take out the trash, to, to, to do all those things. Although my son is here and just in full transparency because he's here, I've now trained him to do those things. So, but in the past, right? But there's other things that she likes me to do. I like to take my wife out for dinner. I like to spend time with her, right? But here's the thing. If, if my wife and I are having a problem in our marriage, the answer is for me not to all of a sudden start saying, well, I just need to do all the things that she wants me to do. I just need to make her happy by doing more and then our marriage will be fine. Right? That's not going to fix our marriage problem, is it? Because there's a problem at the root. There's a problem at the relationship level. And so if I have a problem in my marriage, it's not about me just doing things that are going to make her happy. No, it's about us doing the hard work of, of refocusing on our relationship with one another and figuring out what, where the disconnect is in the relationship with each other and mending that so that therefore we can go forward and have a, a strong 
marriage again. It's the same thing with our relationship with God, guys. If you're sitting there and you're going, you know, I feel like there's a disconnect between me and, and the Lord, the answer is not for you to all of a sudden just try to do a bunch of things that makes God happy. No, the answer is for you to love Jesus more. That's going to transform your life. And it's going to transform your life and give you this fullness of life that he talks about here in verses 7 through 11. Pick up in verse 7. He says, if you abide in me, again, there's that relationship side. If you abide in me, remain in me, stay in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, this is the result of when we abide in Christ. This is the life that we will have. And he talks about these different things here. He talks about the word of God. Is, is scripture important? Yes, absolutely it's important. And it flows from our relationship with Jesus. Did you catch that? Look, if you abide in me, my words are going to abide in you. That if we're abiding in Jesus, we're going to have a relationship with the, the word of God, with the scriptures, with the Bible, wherein it's going to take a root in our hearts. It's going to overflow from us. Colossians 3, 16, right? We are going to be speaking spiritual things to one another. We're going to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, right? That comes through a relationship with Jesus. But the other thing that it's going to do as well, is not just the, the word, but prayer. Did you notice what Jesus said there? He said, if you abide in me, ask anything in my name and you will have it. That's amazing, isn't it? And so you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to go ask for my Ferrari tonight then because I'm abiding in Jesus. No, that's not it at all, is it? No, if we're abiding in Jesus, we're going to want the things that Jesus wants. And so that's why Jesus can confidently say, hey, look, if you're abiding in me, pray and ask for whatever you want and you're going to have it. Why? Because you're going to want what I want. See, this is an overflow of our relationship with Jesus. We're going to abide in him. We're going to have that relationship through prayer. You're going to have confidence because as you abide in Jesus, what's going to happen? Your life's going to transform. You're going to bear fruit. And Jesus says there, and so what? Prove to be my disciples. So if you want confidence, start at the root and let the root bear the fruit that's then going to lead you to be confident in your relationship with Jesus. It's also going to lead to you glorifying the Father. Right? And that's, that's why you and I are here. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what he calls us to do. He says in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Okay, how do we bear fruit? We abide in Jesus. You want to glorify God? You want to glorify the Father with your life? It starts with a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with the root that bears the fruit that glorifies the Father. And then he says also that we'll experience the, the love of Christ. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Again, how am I going to keep his commandments? Through that relationship with Jesus. And then I'm going to be abiding in the love of Christ. What is the love of Jesus? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The love of Jesus is John 6, when he says that all the Father has given to me, of all of them I will lose none, that I have you in my hand and that it's impossible for anyone to snatch you out of my hand. What is the love of Jesus? The love of Jesus is Romans chapter 5, that God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
We will abide in that love. We will know that love. We will feel that love. We will experience that love if we are abiding, if we have this relationship with Jesus. And then finally, we will have joy. We will have joy. And notice what Jesus says. These things. All of this talk about relationship with Jesus. All of this talk about abiding. All this talk about bearing fruit. All this talk. Jesus says this. I've spoken these things to you in order that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Guys, here's, here's the thing. If you pursue a relationship with Jesus, you are going to know a joy that you have never known before. Our final point this morning is this. Let your pursuit of Jesus lead to joy in Jesus. Let your pursuit of Jesus lead to joy in Jesus. This passage, again, is describing what the joyful Christian life should really look like. And if you've ever gone through a season where you've just experienced that closeness with the Father, where you've overcome a sin in your life, and there's, you realize how much just cloudiness that sin had brought in your life, and now it's not there, and you feel just vibrant, and, and there's a clarity, and there's a happiness, and there's a vibrancy, and there's a vigor, and there's an excitement about God and about Jesus. Y'all, that, that's what God wants to be the norm in our lives. He wants us to be joyful believers. In fact, as, as Christians, we should be the most joyful people in the entire world. If we are abiding in a relationship with Jesus, it's going to produce the joy of Christ in our lives. And so if, if you're sitting here this morning and for you, Christianity is, is, is not a joy for you. It's a drudgery for you. And outside of, of Sunday mornings, your relationship with Jesus is the furthest thing from your mind. I have to tell you, you know, there, there's a disconnect. And again, the disconnect is not with the fruit. It's not going so try harder to be a more joyful Christian. The disconnect is with the root. You know, for some of you, the disconnect may be that you've never been grafted into the root. It may be that you don't have any relationship at all with Jesus. But the good news for you is this morning, you can have a relationship with Jesus. See, because the problem is in the discouragement that you feel and the hopelessness that you feel and the fear that you feel and the anxiety that you feel right now in this world can be answered by Jesus. Because all of that is brought about by the fact that we live in a fallen and broken world, that this world is marred by sin and that all of us are sinners and stand guilty before a holy God. And that if we are not made right with that God, what awaits for us is an eternity under the, the wrath and judgment of God. But here's the good news is, and that's where Jesus enters in. Because God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to die for your sins and for my sins. Paid the penalty of our sins, the, the, the penalty that we owed God. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God on the cross against your sins and my sins. And then he rose from the dead and he said this, you know, if you will trust in me, which is the key to entering into a relationship with Jesus. If you will trust that I died for your sins, your sins will be forgiven. And you will live with me forever in eternity. That's the hope, that's the offer that is offered to you this morning through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's putting your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins. And that act of putting your faith in him enters you into a relationship with Jesus, which is what we've been talking about. But y'all, here's the thing I want to come back to. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Think about your loved ones in your life. 
It's not hard for me to pursue a relationship with my wife because I love her. It's a joyful thing for me to pursue a relationship with my wife. You know, that should be a sliver of what we experience in pursuing a relationship with Jesus. The joy that we should have in pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Christian living divorced from the power of Jesus is, is just powerless religion. Christian living divorced from the, the source that we need to have in our relationship with Jesus, it, it, it robs you of that joy that I'm talking about here. Christian living that, that's, that's not connected to the power of Jesus is like taking a dead branch and super gluing some rotten fruit on it and trying to pass it off as alive. No, instead we must be connected to Jesus as the source of everything else in our lives. Just like my wife's computer, if, if it's not connected to the wall, it's not turning on. For you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, if we're not connected to Jesus, then our walk with the Lord, our walk with God is going to be absolutely powerless. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you so much for Jesus, for everything that he's done in our lives, all the good things that he's done for us, all the gifts that he's given to us. First and foremost amongst those is salvation. God, we thank you for the joy that we can have in Christ. We thank you for the forgiveness. We thank you for uh, just the relationship that he has offered to us. Lord, we thank you that we worship a living Savior. Lord, we, we thank you that we worship not a, a storybook character or a, a figment of our imaginations, but a Savior who right now is interceding on our behalf, who's seated at the right hand of the Father. God, we thank you that Jesus is there and that we can abide in Christ, that we can have a relationship with Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would focus this week not on doing more, not on gritting our teeth and clenching our fists and trying to be more godly, but, God, I pray that you would allow us to just pray before you. God, I want to I grow in my relationship with Jesus, and so help me as I open up your word to, to engage this, not in a, a, a check-the-box kind of manner, but to, to learn more about you, Jesus, because I want to know you more. And as we pray to engage in a, a relationship, to talk with you, not to to go through it like robots and, and passionless and emotionless, but to realize that you are a God who's alive, who is responding, who loves us, who cares for us. And God, help us to, as we look at our lives and see areas that we want to see transformed, to understand that the, the, the path forward is not to, to start at the fruit, but to, to go back to the root and to say, okay, where's my disconnect and where do I need to, to fuel my relationship with Jesus so that I can love the things that he loves and hate the things that he hates and and just pursue him. God, all these other things, the word, church, doctrine, theology, they're so good and so necessary. Yes, they are essential to us as believers. But God, they're nothing without Jesus. We have to have Jesus. And so may that be our passion, our focus, our drive this week and for every week that we have. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 